Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show, and you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. Today is episode 52, and just me tonight. I'm going to be recording this Sunday night, and we're going to basically touch on two things, which I think kind of one plays into the other, in that we're going to start with the biggest story of the week, which was the Big Ten has made their uh, TV and streaming rights deals, and that information's been released. It's a monster of a deal. We talked about it on the point five pod, if you want to get into all those numbers. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about the Big Ten deal, and I want to talk about it as a portion of where all of the media rights are going across the board in sports. And I think I want to talk about this as far as how are these streaming companies, how are TV companies, how are they spending their money? And where that money's being spent, I'm finding this all very fascinating. It's a rabbit hole that um, once you start going down, there's a lot of information out there. And it's interesting to me to see who's spending money on what. All right, so where I'm going to start here is I'm going to start by league. And I'm going to say, hey, here's what uh, we're, we're seeing as far as how much money is coming in to the league. So... Obviously, the top dog is the NFL. The NFL's rights are right now currently $100 billion. It is a ridiculous sum. It's $10 million a year between all of their partners. Um, they just signed a new deal. It's with CBS and Fox and ESPN. It is a pretty wild deal, and they are number one by a bullet. They have the best ratings. NFL games are the highest rated things on television. We are going to see, like right now, they have television deals with Amazon for Thursday night, uh, ESPN for Monday night football. Those are the two, um, what I'm trying to say, the, the two lowest deals they've gotten. They also have a deal with um, NBC for Sunday night football. CBS for the AFC, and the NFC on Fox. And of those, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy amount of money. Again, about $10 billion a year. Now, they are in negotiations currently. Uh, those contracts all start in 2023, except for Amazon. It starts in 2022. Well, they'll have their first games here in about a month, uh, a little less than a month, actually. Um from there, you'll see some of the changes, uh, what's going on with that. Now, the biggest issue with the NFL right now is what happens to NFL Sunday Ticket. DirecTV's exclusivity uh, is over, and they have a one-year extension for the 2022 season. And um, DirecTV has said they do not want to do the NFL Sunday Ticket moving forward. It's just not in their uh, way of looking at things. I don't know if you understand what's happened there, but uh, a lot of what had happened with DirecTV as their own company was tied to Sunday Ticket. AT&T bought that company, 
and then now has actually split the company off into their own company again. And now DirecTV is really trying to find a different niche where they're just trying to be a cable provider, basically, and they don't want the overhead of the Sunday ticket. It's a loss leader for them. Um, I do understand that they have signed a deal, DirecTV, with the NFL to provide uh, games in, um, in restaurants and bars. That is something that um, no other company wants to do. It's too difficult to do the things that they've done as far as with the different streaming services and the different cable services. So bars and restaurants have been using DirecTV for years. There is going to be an exclusivity to that. That'll continue. Um, but from there, it looks like from everything I've heard, and I've, I've listened to a couple of different podcasts on this, read a few things this week as well, it looks like Apple TV is now the new leader in the clubhouse on getting the uh, Sunday ticket rights moving forward in 2023. It looks like the last two bidders here are Apple TV and Amazon. And it looks like Apple TV, from what I'm hearing, is actually the favorites. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if that means if you have Apple TV, you will automatically get Sunday ticket. I don't think that's what it'll be. I think you'll see the first paywall, and then there'll be a second paywall to get the Sunday ticket. But it certainly makes it easier for most of us who are who are streaming our programming now as opposed to cable um, to get that. I was someone who had Sunday ticket for years just because uh, I wanted to watch my out-of-market games. My team doesn't live here. I'm locally in Kansas. I don't get to see my New Orleans Saints. I had direct TV for 15 years just so I could watch those games. It just got too expensive. And over time, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. So we're going back. The NFL, that's tier number one. And there is nobody even close in the marketing rights. The NBA is second. Uh, right now, the NBA is bringing in um, currently around $20 million a year, $20 billion a year as far as their current programming. That is with a combination of ESPN and Turner, which is owned by the new conglomerate of Warner Brothers and Discovery. So for those who are streamers, Warner Brothers had um, the Discovery Plus platform was Discovery. Warner Brothers had HBO Plus. They are merging uh, by the end of 2023. That will be complete. I would assume a lot of that's going to be done by the end of this year, actually. And you'll see that HBO Max will be their platform. So you'll see... Some games, uh, you can get TNT and TBS and a few other pieces on the HBO Max platform once the merger is all done. That's coming soon. And the NBA currently has that locked up. However, those rights will be expiring in 2025. And I was reading an article today that said, what is the NBA looking at? The NBA has said privately that they're looking at trying to get upwards of $75 billion in their next contract. They're hoping to do $75 billion um, per, uh, I'm sorry, their current deal is $20 billion for their uh, seven-year deal. They're looking at going all the way to $75 billion and wanting to then be just below the NFL. I don't see ESPN and Turner paying three and a half, four times as much for the same piece of, of property there. But I do think the NBA is going to get quite a bit when you look at what the Big Ten just got. 
I mean, if the Big Ten can get, you know, 8 to $10 billion, and they're not providing near what the NBA is, the NBA is going to get an increase from the $20 billion current contract on up. I would assume they're going to get in the $50 billion range, probably on a six- or seven-year deal. From there, you've got college football. And college football, you know, here in America, college football is the, really the third biggest sport. You know, if you look at ratings across the board, um, you could argue that college football is probably the second biggest ratings when you look at the bigger games and pull those aside. But uh, college football really kind of has three levels inside of it. We now see that the Big Ten is getting a billion dollars a year. It also has some escalators in there, from what I understand, that if the Big Ten were to expand, the Big Ten will be able to increase that amount. Um, So the Big Ten, the commissioner has come out and already said they'd like to go up to 20 teams. Whether that includes Notre Dame, we don't know. Uh, Whether that means going and poaching Oregon and Washington or the Arizona teams, there'll be something happen there. Uh, The Big Ten has that written in their uh, contracts. The SEC is next, and the SEC is currently exclusively with ESPN. That deal was signed a couple years ago. Goes into effect in 2024, though uh, it looks like ESPN will start the SEC game of the week. That was currently on CBS. That'll actually start with ESPN in 2023. Uh, That was upwards of about of about $600 million a year. It also has a clause that allows it to ratchet up based on number of teams in the conference. We already know that Oklahoma and Texas um, have an opportunity to come in, and that will ratchet that deal up per rata with those two teams. The SEC also has a unique deal that the Big Ten does not have, and that is with their deal with ESPN, they actually are going to be sharing in a portion of ad revenue above what ESPN pays. So once ESPN has broken even for the year, profits from there on SEC programming will be split 50-50 with the conference. That's then distributed amongst the conference's players. I expect that that deal is going to increase that quite a bit. I don't know if it brings it to the billion dollars a year that the Big Ten has, but it's certainly going to bring it up past the current $560 million per year. Uh, that's already going to go up probably another 50 or $60 million by adding Texas and Oklahoma. Then you start putting in the ad revenue. I wouldn't be surprised if that, that piece becomes $750 or $800 per year once that's all kicked in and going. After college football, you then have, between the Big Ten and the SEC, you have these two big juggernauts. And then you have the next three big conferences. This is the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Now, the ACC is the one who has the worst deal right now. The ACC has an exclusive deal with ESPN. They have an ACC network as part of the ESPN network. And that deal is currently going all the way out to 2036. Um, the ACC in that deal is only receiving uh, about $200 million a year. Uh, when it's ratcheted out to their, their, their members, it's coming out to about $25 million per school. And I do suspect we'll see some changes with the ACC. Um, there is some talk that the ACC 
uh, and I'm sorry, I think I said 2036, it's 2034, their deal is up. The ACC is currently in talks with the Pac-12 and trying to partner those two conferences together into a bigger deal with ESPN. Now, again, the ACC's deal is up, up for another 12 more years, so they're in no place to come in and say, they have no place of power to say they want more money. And, and frankly, the ESPN could very easily just say, no, we'll just keep you where we got you, keep them on that early game, and then just kind of put them in different places. And then they could sign up the Big 12 if they wanted to. Uh, the Pac-12's contract currently ends in 2024, and we know the Pac-12 is losing both UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. There are rumors abound that the Pac-12 is also going to possibly lose Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Arizona State. The uh, Colorado has been talked about. Uh, there are lots of schools that are kind of reading the tea leaves and saying, where can we go? to not just bring in the most money, but with that, to, to provide us with a security blanket that we need for athletics. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens if the Pac-12 and the ACC can do something together. There's also talk that the Pac-12 and the ACC may include having a conference championship game between them. Uh, that's something that ESPN may want to purchase, that their two champions would have a sort of their own champion from there. The Big 12, to me, is also interesting. The Big 12 is obviously losing Texas and Oklahoma. They are slated to go to the SEC in 2024. Um, the Big 12 has said, their, their commissioner has come out and said that, you know, if the payoff was there, those two schools could leave early. ESPN's increase in revenue to the SEC would help offset that. So I do suspect we'll see Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC in 2023. Um, I did hear an interesting story about how that came about. Uh, the SEC obviously made their deal a couple of years ago, and it was early in the negotiations. They went a couple of years early to start talking to ESPN, and really the SEC wanted to put a package together to get everything to ESPN. They didn't want to mess with CBS and or even talk to NBC or anybody else. Um, they wanted it in one place, and, and ESPN was more than willing to oblige. As I understand it, uh, the Big 12, after the SEC tried to make the same deal, uh, went to ESPN and wanted to make a similar type of deal. Obviously, it would have been less money, but... They were trying to make a deal to get their rights and an increase moving forward. The Big 12 deal isn't up till 2025, and ESPN shut down any options of talking early about a new deal with the Big 12 right in the first moment. They just nipped it in the butt and said, we're not interested. It was that confirmation or that information when it was received by the member schools in the Big 12 is what pushed Oklahoma and Texas to make the call to go to the SEC. So I found that pretty interesting. That was some information that was out there. I think it was uh, um, John Orrand who had that at The Athletic this past week. Um, or, I'm sorry, Sports Business Journal. Not at The Athletic, but Sports Business Journal. And that was an interesting story of how Oklahoma and Texas ended up in the SEC. So then you also have Notre Dame. 
And Notre Dame is sort of the next shoe to drop. We've talked about this on conference realignment. But Notre Dame has an exclusive deal for football with NBC that currently pays them $26 million a year. Now, Notre Dame is currently speaking with NBC and would like to keep those rights with NBC and Peacock. And it looks like what we're going to see is Notre Dame has said publicly they would like to stay independent and they would like to make a deal to keep their football games on NBC while the rest of their conference participates in the ACC. And they do get a share of those monies just like the other schools without the football revenue, in their case, from the ACC's contract with ESPN. Um, It looks like what NBC really wants to do is either make the deal with Notre Dame, Notre Dame stays independent, and they pay them, it looks like around $60 million, so an increase from 26 to about $60 million a year. I'm hearing 60 or 70, and what that really is contingent on is how many home games Notre Dame will play. The years where they have six home games, it would be 60 million. The years they have seven, it would be 70 million. Now, we've already seen that Notre Dame would actually get more money by going to the Big Ten. Um, Notre Dame wants to hang on to what they call tradition and do that sort of thing. I'm thinking that it looks like that NBC is saying, well, hey, we get this cheaper product and you do have a pretty good market with Notre Dame fans. So it's sort of a double header for them. Notre Dame football, six or seven times a year, followed by the Big Ten. There'll be other times they can fill in other other products in there as well in that double header. Now, after college football, And we're going to get into some other stuff with college football here in a minute. But the next biggest sport is Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball just signed new deals, uh, This actually back in late 2021, after they had their lockout and some things happening there. And this is the only deal that, surprisingly enough, Major League Baseball is the only sport where their newest TV contract, a portion of it actually went down in payments. And that was what they are getting um, right now from Turner. Turner Sports is paying um, $3.2 billion over seven years. Fox is paying uh, about $700 million a year for seven years for Major League Baseball. We know that Apple TV is paying, I believe, I have my notes here on this, Apple TV is paying Major League Baseball $85 $85 million a year for a seven-year deal uh, to do the Apple TV Friday night stuff. The biggest part of that also is $30 million of the $85 million is a promise of buying ads on other content for Major League Baseball. Um, and then there is a small package on Amazon that's somewhere around $20 million a year. Major League Baseball has done a really poor job with their revenue from streaming rights and television rights. And they've kind of moved everything around to where it's really hard to find them if you don't know where to look. Um, It's kind of crazy in that way. But they're the next big one. After that, the next in the hierarchy is really two things together. Uh, The PGA Tour, 
in the NHL. Now, the PGA Tour signed a deal a couple of years ago. They're making about $600 million a year in total. They would not release the information, uh, but their partners, which are publicly held companies, have. Uh, about, the PGA Tour is getting about $400 million a year from CBS and NBC for TV rights. The streaming services, which are on ESPN+, Plus, are about $280 million per year. So ESPN's not paying very much at all for the, um, for the PGA. The NHL has just passed the PGA on income and what they're getting with their new rights. The new rights start for the NHL this coming season. Uh, what used to be uh, Center Ice, which you could get on DirecTV, has now all been moved to ESPN+. Plus. Uh, ESPN is paying, um, let me get my numbers here on this, and I don't have it. Um, the NHL has got to deal with both Turner Broadcasting and with ESPN. ESPN is paying the NHL about $400 million a year for the next seven years. That includes the big package as well as some featured games on there. Uh, TNT is paying the NHL $750 million per year. Um, and that is uh, to put those on TNT. There'll also be some stuff on Warner Brothers Discovery as well. But this, the games that are going to be the Hockey Night games will be available on that streaming service once it's all completed. So it'll be HBO Max, basically. After the PGA and the NHL, we have college basketball and women's college basketball, which are put together because the rights from the conferences individually, they're all kind of put in these deals with the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, some others. Those are all included in those deals. But we do have a situation where the NCAA has March Madness, which is not conference-affiliated, obviously, and is the bulk of the college basketball revenue, which is spread amongst all college basketball teams, not just those individual conferences. Um, it's a $10 billion deal over 14 years, which is actually ratcheted up toward the end of the deal. So really, when you're looking at these college things, keep this in mind. The Big Ten, the SEC, these two big contracts, they're including things like men's college basketball, women's college basketball. NBC is actually going to be taking some of the golf, I understand, because they want to put that on their golf channel, which will be available through Peacock as well. And also some um, volleyball will be available on Peacock as well. So those are kind of, if you want to say thrown in, I don't really like that term, but it's a small part of the overall picture. From there, we got really three left here I'm going to jump into. And that's MLS, which here, Major League Soccer here, has an exclusive deal with Apple TV that starts this coming season. Uh, they'll have all games, will be exclusive to Apple TV at a cost of $2.5 billion for 10 years. The last one, that is the last one. Now, what I found interesting, and because we're going to talk about wrestling here on the back side, I wanted to kind of lay out this hierarchy from top to bottom, from the NFL 
on down to the MLS. And again, I'm only talking about rights in the U.S. There is one other, um, and I'm combining these two, which is soccer, which is, uh, we're talking about the English Premier League, the EPL, and the Champions League. Uh, the EPL is on um, uh, Peacock and NBC. The next game is actually on USA. And then the Champions League is on Paramount+. Plus. Those contracts are actually higher than what the MLS is, and they're more in line with what the college basketball contract is. Uh, about Right at about a billion dollars a year between the two. And so we're seeing that as far as that as well. So to give you an idea of where those sports lie, NFL, NBA, college football, Major League Baseball, PGA, and the NHL are very close. Uh, the NHL is going to edge the PGA when it's said and done. After that, you'll see the EPL and the Champions League. If you want to separate them, they'll be below college basketball. If you put them together, they're going to be above them. Then the MLS. Where this comes in wrestling is the WWE. Now, there are currently two major federations, the WWE and AEW. The WWE currently has contracts where with um, NBC, which is also Peacock. And on Peacock, you find the content that was the old WWE Network. That content has all been moved over, and currently Peacock is paying, and, and this includes the TV rights to the Monday Night Raw show on USA, $1.5 billion for a five-year deal. Uh, that is a large, large number for WWE. It also includes all the they used to call pay-per-views, so WrestleMania, SummerSlam, the monthly pay-per-views, those are all now available on Peacock. Um, Fox is paying the WWE currently uh, $1 billion. They have signed a five-year deal to put on Friday Night SmackDown. Now, I suspect that is going to be going away soon. Both those contracts end at the end of September 2024. Um, Fox has not really had the best success as far as ratings with SmackDown. They wanted to really make that kind of look sports-based. It really hasn't fit in. And now with some of the stuff going on with the new contract with the Big Ten, you might see some of those games get pushed to a Friday night show. So you might see that SmackDown get moved. Between the two comp, between those two packs, it's $2.5 billion over five years. Again, both contracts with WWE end in 2024. WWE's excited. They saw what happened with the Big Ten. They've seen what's happened with the SEC. And they realize that they are a great partner for somebody because that's a, a built-in audience. It's a built-in audience, a lot of content that's cheaply made. I mean, when you compare it to what, you know, these especially the professional leagues have to go through. It's good, it's good content for a streaming service. Um, I suspect we'll see a big change in what WWE does. Now, as my understanding is they've already began negotiations, and they're hoping to have deals in place by the spring of 2023 to follow up when their contracts are over. Um, my understanding from what I've read and some of the reported information out there is that WWE is looking to take their current annual $500 million in TV rights, they like to take that average up to around $750 million. 
Um, I don't think that's going to happen with Peacock. I don't think that happens with Fox. I certainly don't think it's going to happen with Fox because Fox has no streaming service to put the content on. But we have AEW, the newest kind of the, 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 the two from a distance from the one being WWE, owned by Tony Khan and their group. Uh, the Khan family, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, owns AEW. They currently have a deal where they're receiving $45 million a year. Their contract ends at the end of 2024. They are currently exclusively on TNT and TBS. Now, what Tony Khan is trying to do is he has purchased Ring of Honor Wrestling, and he's looking for a home. He's trying to make a new contract as well, and he's trying to find a home for all the content AEW has, which is pretty significant. They have their their Wednesday night TV show, their Friday night TV show. They also have two shows that are on um, on YouTube, and they, they now have a library. They've been around for three years now. They have a library. They also own Ring of Honor's library, which is pretty significant. I mean, you look at 20 years of wrestling, some of the biggest names in the history of the business have been there as well. So that's more content, and they are working closely with HBO Max. I suspect that deal does get done, but I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit um, because I think that's what's going on with a lot of the content that AEW is creating is they're not worried about their current ratings because they think we'll see that content move completely over to HBO Max in the coming years. Before we get over there, I want to talk a little bit more about these streaming rights. Um, I find this whole thing very interesting, and here's where I'm going to go with this from here. I'm going to name off, these are the current national streaming services. This does not include things like Nessun and the Yes Network, um, there is also Bally Sports, who has one for your local teams. If you want to watch the Kansas City Royals or the Cincinnati Reds, um, Nesson, obviously for the Boston Red Sox, yes, for the Yankees. But you're looking at the larger streaming services, the ones we have out there currently. ESPN Plus is the biggest. Disney Plus, which doesn't carry any sports, it's the same company. As we know, Disney owns ESPN. We have Amazon Prime. We have Peacock, owned by NBC. We have Paramount Plus owned by CBS. But keep in mind, Fox does not have a streaming service, not for live. They have a thing called Tuvi that they use for playing shows later and mostly older movies, uh, but not stuff for any live television. We have Netflix, we have Apple TV, HBO Max, which again, we know that content from Turner Sports will end up at HBO Max. That's going to be the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, which is in the middle of happening. The merger is completed. Now we're seeing Discovery Plus moved over to HBO Max. Just a matter of them finishing up the, the bits and pieces on that. And then Amazon Prime, I think I mentioned it. Um, it it's coming down to some interesting things. Uh, I think I, I may or may not have mentioned Apple TV as well. If you noticed, we've talked about, I've mentioned already a lot about each of the leagues, and what's being paid currently. Now, we know of the major sports leagues, nothing's coming due, if you will, in the next three to five years except for the NBA and wrestling. And I'm not including the Pac-12 and the Big 12 in that, and I just don't know what's going to happen there, and I do think that 
there'll be some kind of either the Pac-12 and the ACC will do some kind of a merger and they will be on ESPN or the Big 12 will be on ESPN. If if it stays the Big 12, the Pac-12 and the ACC, then I suspect the Big 12 goes to Fox and then streaming rights will get moved to somebody else. Um, I would think that might be Apple TV or Amazon. But what I did was I broke down what are these companies currently spending money on? Because I think we want to predict what's going to happen in the future. We've got to look to see what companies are doing now and where they're going. So right now, the company spending the most money as far as money on the books is CBS at Paramount+. Plus. That kind of surprised me. Um, the NFL, they have the biggest chunk of the NFL, which they're paying currently $2.1 billion per year. Um, the biggest part of their $25 billion they're on the books for for the next 10 years is the NFL. They're also going to be paying uh, $2.4 billion over the next seven for the Big Ten. And they have the Champions League for the next six years in soccer at $1.5 billion. Uh, I don't think that CBS is going to be in the the platform. It's not going to be the platform with CBS and Paramount Plus to purchase any major rights coming forward. I don't see them as a player for the NBA in a couple of years. I don't see them as a player for the Pac-12 or the ACC or the Big 12. And I don't see them as a player for the WWE. ESPN Plus is actually next. And ESPN Plus, they have about a little under $20 billion currently on the books. Now, they have the biggest number for them is $3 billion over the next 10 years. Um, I'm sorry, it's $5 billion over the next 10 years for the SEC. We know that number is actually going to go up. It will be closer to 6 or $7 billion when it's all said and done. Um, that is their biggest on-the-books issue. They're only paying the NFL $1 billion is because they only have Monday Night Football and then the highlight shows and that sort of thing. They're putting out about $2.8 billion over seven years for the NHL. Uh, they've got currently about $550 million in rights for Major League Baseball, which is about $78 million per year. It's actually just for... Sunday night baseball, and an occasional game here or there. They currently do have um, a nine-year contract with the NBA at $12 billion. That's $1.4 billion per year that expires at the end of 2025. I think this puts ESPN in an interesting situation. They already have the ACC locked up at something a ridiculous amount. It's ridiculously low. It's something like $200 or $300 million. Uh, for the next 10 years. It's a, a grossly small amount of money. I don't suspect the Big 12 or the Pac-12 will come even close to what the Big 10 has. I don't suspect they'll even go halfway to what the SEC gets. I would expect that if the Big 12 could keep or could bring over a couple of the teams from the Pac-12, that maybe the Big 12 could net a $3 billion deal for a 10-year deal, but they will have to have some guarantees of what to do, you know, of membership and those sort of things. It will all be contingent on conference expansion. 
ESPN will be a player in the NBA's next deal. I suspect that they will be the team and the place that lands a great portion of the NBA's next big deal. I suspect they will also take the Pac-12 and the ACC or the Big 12. I don't think they take all three. And I do think there will be something happen where at some point ESPN Plus and really ESPN as a as a company will get spun off by Disney. I think Disney's looking for someone to take that content, whether that be another company, whether that be um, you know private equity coming in and doing something. I suspect that happens. I don't think that's eminent. I would say three, five years down the road. Um, I think that player is Amazon, to be perfectly frank and honest. I'll talk a little more about that. But uh, I do suspect that we'll see ESPN rolled out of um, Disney at some point. The next big one is, surprisingly, Warner Brothers and Discovery. Uh, they're currently have on the books about $15 billion. Now, a big chunk of that is $10.8 billion in a current contract with four years left with the NBA. Um, so about half their contract there really it's about five billion on the books. So that number actually comes down to about 10 billion. But they have a big deal with the NBA. That is the market they want to play in. You know they have everything with inside the NBA and that whole show and their whole piece. Turner Sports has done a great job with that, and I suspect that will end up on HBO Max and still available on TNT. They did make a deal a couple of years ago to go into the Major League Baseball. They're about two years into their deal uh, at a cost of about $450 million a year for Major League Baseball games. They get some postseason with that. Um, that is the next thing they've got. And they've just jumped into a deal um, at about $200 million a year with the NHL. And that's a new one that just had. They started that this year. They have seven years, uh, six years remaining on that. Warner Brothers Discovery is one of these interesting plays for me. They are going to need more content. They have TBS and TNT and Discovery, and we haven't seen them get outside the box except for three of the four major sports. Uh, but they're not going to go in in the NFL. They've already stayed out of that. I do suspect they're saving money for the NBA, and they have some NHL and some Major League Baseball rights. Um, they are going to have to start negotiating with the NBA soon, and that's going to be crazy because that money is going to double, if not more, and we'll see what happens there. But Warner Brothers Discovery, I think they are also in negotiations with AEW Wrestling. Now, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, has been trying to get his content moved to HBO+. Plus. I already mentioned it once before. They have executives that are coming to some of their bigger shows, trying to show this is what their product is. And they're not looking for someone to purchase the company as WWE is, but instead they're looking for a streaming partner, a television partner, and they're looking for a big check. Um, my understanding is AEW is currently working on a deal. They are at $44 million per year. Uh, it's about $800,000 a week. And that is enough to currently produce all the television that AEW produces on a weekly basis. But they are looking to 4X that. They want to try to go from $44 million 
clear up to 175 million per year. Now, to me, that's going to be a tough road to hoe, as my father would say. Um, I just don't know how AEW gets that much money from Turner, especially while Turner's trying to figure out how much money they're going to have to pay the NBA. So if you are AEW and you are Tony Khan, you need to be making this deal as quickly as possible. Um, the reason being is that you there's nobody else out there that's going to pay them that kind of money. WWE already has deals with Fox and with Peacock. That's not a good fit for that product at AEW anyway. I don't see ESPN getting into that. I don't see uh, Paramount getting into that. I don't see that product with CBS. So if you look, it's sort of a, of a one destination for AEW. And if they don't make that deal sooner than later, they're going to be in trouble. Because I don't know if that's a good fit for Apple TV. I could see Amazon getting involved, but I kind of think Amazon's looking at a bigger fish. From there, you got Peacock, NBC, uh, NBC, Comcast, that whole big company. They're currently on the books for a little over uh, almost $8 billion. That's the majority of that. The largest number is actually toward the NFL. Uh, it's a 10-year deal. They're actually going to be paying. Uh, the NFL rights and their Big Ten rights are really close. The NFL rights are just a shade higher than the Big Ten. The Big Ten deal is structured to pay a little more down the road in that seven-year deal. And it can go over the NFL rights if the Big Ten were to add those four more teams. Um, so Peacock has said, hey, what they want to do is they want the Big Ten, they want the NFL. They have a small Major League Baseball deal. They're paying about $30 million for They're doing a Sunday morning game. It's mostly an East Coast game. They're getting with the Mets and the Yankees. And that's just kind of... Getting it's the Major League Baseball's cheapest product they couldn't get rid of. Peacock took it for basically nothing. They also at Peacock have Notre Dame football. We're likely to see an increase in that. And then the EPL, the English Premier League. The Premier League is getting a six-year deal at 2.5 billion. Um, Peacock is not releasing the streaming numbers, but I was told by someone who may be in the know that actually the highest streaming event, regular event, on Peacock is the Sunday at, I think it's 10.30 in the morning, our time, Central Time here, EPL game, which is um, basically a Sunday afternoon game in England. Um, they also have things like cricket and, so and uh, rugby. Um, I've gone in there and played around with that. It's kind of cool. But they're not paying a lot for those rights. Those are international... You know, they're just kind of in there as filler. My question with Peacock is, okay, now they've got the deal with uh, Notre Dame. We'll see how that goes moving forward. That really will be negligible, even if they do go from $25 million a year to even $70 million a year. That's not a lot where it would keep the Peacock and NBC from purchasing other rights. Peacock is definitely in play for the WWE. There has been talk that... Um, that Comcast, the parent company for Peacock, would like to purchase the WWE. Um, they'd like to buy it at a, not a discount to the stock price, but a not as high a premium. And they'd be able to put all of the content on Peacock and on NBC. 
uh, be able to move Friday Night SmackDown to USA, uh, those sort of things. They'd have, you know, shows on Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday in that case on USA. Um, if we're looking at the WWE angle on this, Peacock is definitely one of the four major streamers who will look at purchasing WWE. It leads me to the two last streaming companies, Apple TV and Amazon. These are two of the five biggest companies in the world. Apple is the biggest company in the world right now. And if you look at this, they have basically nothing on the books for streaming sports. Um, Apple TV has basically purchased all MLS rights at $2.5 billion. They have a small Major League Baseball package that is $85 million per year. We already know that $35 million of that is basically advertising for Apple Plus on other Major League Baseball games. Apple TV is also believed to be the leader in the right now in the negotiations for NFL Sunday Ticket. We don't know what that cost is going to be yet, but Apple TV is looking at taking that. The last two bidders, as I understand, are Apple TV and Amazon. Um, I do suspect that Apple TV is going to get it uh, just because it brings one more company for the NFL to have some rights with and for the NFL to then talk to in the future. Um, I do think that Apple TV will end up with that. And that leaves Amazon. Amazon and Amazon Prime has only one live sports contract right now, and that's a 10-year, $10 billion contract with the NFL, and that contract is for Thursday night football. Now, Amazon tried to get Sunday night football. They attempted to get Monday night football. They attempted to get the Big Ten. Uh, my understanding is that the big, they actually offered more money for both CBS and Fox and NBC's packages to the Big Ten than the Big Ten was offered by those three companies, and they were turned down. Um, the NFL didn't want to touch Amazon when it came to anything larger than Thursday night football. This tells me that Amazon is in play. Amazon is going to not like not having one of these big products. Now, we know Major League Baseball is a mess with what they're doing. I don't think Amazon wants any piece of that. The NBA, I don't know that's a good fit. I don't think that's some place you can put some kind of mega deal together. I think Amazon is going to make a deal one of two ways. I think Amazon is either going to buy the WWE. I think it has come down to Comcast, Disney, or Amazon to purchase the WWE. Now, why is the WWE for sale? We all know Vince McMahon has retired, and they're at the point now where uh, they are trying to, they've been cutting back the fat WWE, they're, 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 they're um, corporate, they're, their numbers have been great, they're profitable, they're making a lot of money, but the McMahon family's ready to cash in. And we know right now that Stephanie McMahon and uh, Stephanie McMahon Helmsley, uh, whatever, Levis Levesque, I guess, is Triple H's wife, um, and Nick Khan are the co-CEOs. Nick Khan was brought into WWE to help sell the product. 
They've done a fantastic job with the streaming rights, with their international rights, with their deal with the Saudi government, which doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's very lucrative. You're looking at a couple hundred million a year that the Saudi, the Saudi government is paying. Uh, the Saudi Sports Commission, the same group that's working with uh, the Live Tour, is working with the WWE. Those are out there. Now, Amazon's the one company that could go in and say, we can buy the WWE and buy it for cash. To give you an idea, the current value of the WWE, currently the stock price is right at $70.50 per share. Their market cap, their full value is $5.27 billion. If you add up every single share of stock at $70 and some change per, per share, the WWE is worth $5.27 billion. Now, the McMahon family will not sell. They own over 60% of the voting rights. Uh, Vince McMahon is not going to sell that company at a five-and-a-quarter five billion-dollar valuation. But I did a little math. I could see him selling it at $7.8 billion. That would be a share price of $105 a share. And I could really see him selling it at $9 billion at $120 a share. And I don't think that Universal, Comcast, NBC, Peacock, that whole, that's all one company, I don't see them paying that much for it. I could see them buying it at $5 billion. I could see Disney buying them at $5 billion. If the Disney did that, I think they would roll ESPN out of their portfolio. And I think the reason being that Disney then becomes non-sports entity with Marvel, with Star Wars, adding WWE to them makes sense. But if you want to look at wrestling as a sport, which some people do, I don't think that that's going to be in play either. I think we're going to see Amazon come in, and I think there is a small chance that we can see Netflix come in. I don't think Netflix will. Their stock price has been, been dropping have all sorts of issues with uh, their programming and losing subscribers. It would be an easy way for Netflix to recover a shitload of subscribers over the next few years. But I think Amazon is the best landing spot for WWE if that company has to be bought at a premium. If not, if a Universal can make a deal where the streaming rights, you're not paying for the streaming rights, you know, right now, if Universal Peacock is paying $1.5 billion, it's a half a billion a year, why wouldn't you buy the whole company for, you know, five and a half, six billion? And then you've got all the content, you're bringing in the money. You know, I, 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 it makes sense to me to see them do it. They've also had a great um, relationship with the WWE going back to the early 1980s. So we could see that. Uh, NBC has had that for years and years, whether that's with NBC or USA Network. Um, I do think we'll see in the next probably two to three years a sell of the WWE, and I do think it's going to be to either Comcast or to Amazon. The other one I think will be interesting is, again, Amazon is, the, is one of the biggest companies in the world. To give you an idea... Amazon is worth $1.4 trillion. Full pause. 
buying the WWE at even eight or nine billion would be a drop in the bucket for them. It would be a, you know, balance sheet, you know, of five percent of, you know, of gross uh, gross value. So I, I think that that's an obvious uh, buy. I would not also be surprised if Amazon feels spurned. If they feel like, hey, you know what? We really want to do this streaming thing. And it looks like from everything they're doing with the NFL that they have bought, brought in some top quality people. They've brought in some of the best people. They've hired a lot of people from the NBC away to do this Thursday night broadcast. We've seen they've gone and hired Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, they have a slew of big names to do their pregame show. There was already talk that Amazon wanted to buy NFL Network this past year. That didn't happen. But at some point, I do look at this and I wonder, would Disney decide that ESPN has outplayed its hand? You know, ESPN is losing money. And to Disney, it doesn't make a lot of sense to fit in that portfolio if ESPN's paying, what we said earlier, they're on the hook for 25 or $20 billion in future um, and future rights and multimedia rights, and that's before renegotiating with the NBA and then knowing you're going to have an increase with the SEC. Could Amazon buy ESPN? Is that a crazy idea? I don't think it is, and I do think that's something you may hear more and more about. So, um, Again, I think that's something that it won't be tomorrow. I mean, it'll be, you know, three, four, five years out. But don't be surprised if Disney as a company says ESPN has become too heavy of a balance sheet. And if they can get the right offer and a company worth $1.4 trillion can afford it and wants to be in there, it also means they can continue the ESPN brand the ESPN brand is, you know, on every cable network, on every you know, satellite, everything else, and they're a premium on all of those. If you're paying your normal cable bill, ten bucks of your cable bills for the ESPN networks. It's a money it could be a money maker for Amazon, and it could be the way that Amazon decides to get past the stickiness they've had to deal with of getting that they can't get certain rights. Don't be surprised if that happens. Okay, I'm going to jump off the streaming rights stuff. I just found that so interesting. I wanted to get on it. But before we go too far, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors this week. It's Gold Belly. Uh, Gold Belly's got some stuff going on. Man, y'all know this is my spot. This is my spot for all my go-tos. I send gifts to people all the time on Gold Belly. I love it. And right now, Gold Belly has Jack Stack Barbecue. That's right. Kansas City, Jack Stack Barbecue. They don't get much better. Up to 40% off. It's actually cheaper to get Jack Stack Barbecue on Gold Belly right now than to buy it directly at Jack Stack. Um, and also they're doing a thing celebrating small food makers. I was looking through this earlier and I saw some really interesting stuff. We've talked about the Brisk French Toastery uh, out in L.A. This is the, the, the personal chef for The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and his signature French toast. Um, we've also got things like uh, Eventide Oyster Company. 
which has got lobster roll kits and some different cool stuff in here. Um, things like, this one was, was crazy, Two Fat Cakes Bakery in Portland, Maine. They make whoopie pies. And they got, so these, these look good as hell. If you don't know what a whoopie pie is, check it out at Gold Belly. Hey, listen, what you should do? Go to our show notes. In the show notes, you'll find the link. Get $25 off your first order of $50 or more. And we appreciate Gold Belly. We thank them for everything they do. Give them a try. If you haven't done it yet and you keep hearing this podcast, go to Gold Belly. Check out the link. Save $25 and enjoy some good food from somewhere other than your local little restaurant or your local uh, fast food place. Okay, I've done almost an hour, I can't believe that, on streaming rights. And I did it for two reasons. One, I found the shit interesting. Two, I think we're seeing an underlining of what's going on in AEW. I'm going to talk a little wrestling now, so if you're not here for wrestling talk, this is the time to hit the eject button. AEW... There has been a lot of reports. You know, there's always wrestling rumors and wrestling rumor sites out there. And sometimes the stuff that happens behind the scenes is actually better than what's happening on the air. Right now, we've seen a major change in the WWE since Vince McMahon's retirement. Uh, Triple H, Paul Levesque, has become the head of creative. He's brought back some old faces, old faces, older young faces. A lot of his people he had at NXT, um, and the product is looking better. It's an improved product from a lot of the shit that Vince McMahon was trying to shovel to us. And I've been thinking about this as AEW is seeing WWE's ratings on television increase in the last few weeks, while AEW's have been very stagnant. This is the company that, kept, keep in mind, one year ago this week brought in CM Punk for a pretty big contract. We don't know how much it is because AEW is privately owned, but it's believed to be in the 2 to $3 million a year that he's getting paid. Uh, CM Punk has been injured. He got hurt in, right after he won their heavyweight title, um, and he has not been able to defend the title. They have an interim champion, which is John Moxley. And now we see, we, we knew coming out that it looked like the interim champion, and like kind of how they do it in the UFC, you'd have the regular champion and the interim champion would um, bring the belts, you'd have, a, you'd have a consolidation of the belts at their next pay-per-view. And that is all out, which is Labor Day weekend, which is about two weeks. Um, AEW has now decided to push that match up two weeks and they'll be having that match on Dynamite on Wednesday night this week. So Punk versus Mox has been moved up from Labor Day weekend in Chicago, which is CM Punk's hometown, you know, sort of the conquering hero. Instead, they're going to bring that into Dynamite, you know, late August here and move it up about like, like two weeks. The big thing I'm seeing here is, is this something where Tony Khan is just trying desperately to pop a rating? They have not been able to hold um, a rating with a more than a million viewers. Uh, not since CM Punk, since the spring, really. And they really haven't popped a huge number except when CM Punk first came over. And a couple of times they've done things at 1.2, 1.3, but not a lot. 
They've been slipping and slipping. The Friday night show has gone down to less than a less than a quarter of a percent on the ratings, which is a hundred thousand people. That Friday night show is pretty awful. And I'm wondering, what is Tony Khan doing? Is this a ratings ploy? Is he doing what they used to call in the wrestling business hot shotting? Which is where you go into, you know, you have a, like in the territory days, you would have a new booker come in and he would give you all the cool shit all at once. So you'd go back and watch him and the ratings would go up and the ticket sales would go up and everything else. Well, now the question has to be asked. Is Tony Khan hot shotting? Is he worried that his ratings are dipping while his competitors are going up? And while his competitor's product looks to be a superior product? I think there's some truth to that. I do think there's some hot shotting here. Now, I'm going to also say there are some people who are AEW marks, the people who say that Tony Khan can do no wrong. They'll point to Tony Khan and say, well, he does long-term booking. One, I'm going to call 110% bullshit on that. They always point to the, the hangman Adam Page and his one-year story arc. Listen, that wasn't a one-year story arc. That was, they did something, they decided not to do anything else about it for eight months, and then they put it back together. And they're having these issues now. Now, a lot of it has been, they've had a shitload of injuries. They've been touched by the bug. It hurt them with Daniel, when Brian Danielson got hurt, when CM Punk got hurt. They've had to put the belt on John Moxley, who... I have my problems with John Moxley, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But there's also some talk that there are people who are unhappy at AEW. This was a place where initially everyone was happy. Everyone was coming and going, oh, this is so much better than WWE. And the old man talking about Vince McMahon wasn't listening. And they feel like they've got a voice and someone who's listening to him and Tony Khan. And now Cody Rhodes left. And Punk's been hurt, and Brian Danielson's been hurt, and we're seeing some of the same things that we saw at WWE for a while, where there's not a lot of congruency to the storylines, the same people are being pushed. I mean, how many times are we going to have to watch Daniel Garcia uh, in the main event of a match? The guy's not ready yet. Um, We see the same shit with Chris Jericho every week. I mean, this guy is 50-something years old, and he's just not interesting. Plain and simple. They've got John Moxley, the former Dean Ambrose, as their champion right now. And he's spending his weekends wrestling in some garbage company in, in New Jersey, this game-changer wrestling, where he's their champion. And he's doing matches with a guy who's literally playing with his dick in the middle of the match. If I'm Tony Khan, you can't have that. That whole uh, He needs to bring in John Moxley tell him to knock that shit off. I don't know how that ever got approved by Tony Khan. And if Tony Khan did approve that, for him to be, for Moxley to be wrestling Effie in Game Changer Wrestling, that's just bad business for Tony Khan. We also hear things like, you know, um, CM Punk's not happy. He's not happy with the the creative and where things are going. Uh, We're hearing things like the FTR, the the, the, the pay-per-view or the, the tag team is not happy with some of the directions going on 
and specifically to them and their sort of off-camera rivalry with two of the executive vice presidents, the Young Bucks. We look like we have this trios tournament has been rushed. Um, it, I do find it suspicious that Kenny Omega has come back before his injuries really healed. Uh, he and the Young Bucks, they're in his trios title uh, tournament. They're clearly going to win it. I mean, it's just clearly what they're going to do. Uh, we could tell that the day that the Young Bucks dropped the tag team championships to Keith Lee and Swerve Scott when I think what most fans wanted was to see the Young Bucks versus the FTR at All Out. That was really the match that could have not just stolen the show, but you could have co-promoted that as a co-main event to Punk and Moxley, and it would have tore up a huge buy rate, especially if you put the FTR over. Um, as you know, if you listen to me, I am not a fan of the Young Bucks. I think those two guys, first of all, I don't call them the Young Bucks. They're just the Bucks because they're older. They look terrible. Uh, they look like two 10-year-old children, you know, in, you know, with long hair and bandanas. And, and, they, and their promos are just the most staged, phony-looking bullshit I've ever seen. Uh, these guys, I always, if they were in this room right now, I could beat up both Young Bucks. I'm a 45-year-old man who's way out of shape. If the Jacksons walked in here right now, I could beat both their asses. And they wouldn't even be close. They bring back Kenny Omega from his injuries. Again, one of those other injury issues. And Heath had some severe shit happen. Uh, I did watch their first match on uh, Dynamite this past week. And you could tell that Omega's not ready. Um, I did think that was the grittiest I've ever seen Kenny Omega wrestle. And I say that knowing full well that I'm going to get killed for it. But I'll say it this way. He also told the best story of any match I've ever seen him in, in that match. Because it was the injury piece. And I just think that that was, it was real. And Kenny Omega is such a bad actor. And he's so, his performances are never believable to me. Nothing about his performances in the ring are believable to me. And either he got a lot better with performing with his facials and selling, or he's really in pain. And if he's really in pain, Tony Khan should know better to be doing what the fuck he's doing with him. That was just ridiculous. And he's doing it, if that is the case, he's doing it to placate uh, Nick and Mac Jackson, the, the young bucks, and I think it's horrible. Going to the idea of what's going to happen with All Out, what's going to happen with Moxley and Punk, um, I was listening to the Busted Open on, uh, I was listening to the Busted Open podcast on Saturday, and I thought it was said pretty well. I believe it was Dave LeGreco, the host, who said, it's, we're going to know as soon as we know where the placement of the match is. If Punk and Moxley are the first match of the night, then we know that Punk is going to go over and we are going to see something happen to build to a new match. In ten, 10 days following, there are some rumors that maybe MJF appears, uh, and MJF would then, you know, set, they'd set up a match of MJF versus Punk. That'd be the third match between them. Makes a lot of sense. MJF has won the first two. Um, that would be the biggest match they could have in AEW right now. 
Um, I love MJF. I think he's the best heel in 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 all of wrestling. But then also I listened to CM Punk this past week, and there was some heelish overtones to his uh, promo. And I wonder if instead we see CM Punk uh, do either do something shady or somebody interferes and, and Punk wins and we see a rematch with him and Moxley at the, at the pay-per-view. Uh, I think David Rucker said about that was, hey, if we see that at the end of the show, if they announce it early and say this is going to be the end of the show, we know some chicanery is going down. And so I'm looking at it that way. Personally to me, what do I think is going to happen? I do think that Punk is going to win the match. I do think that MJF is going to come back. They are going to hot shot an MJF Punk third match in Chicago and do it on 10 days notice, which is utterly fucking ridiculous. If they do that, it just goes to show the short-term booking. It just goes to show that um, Tony Khan is freaking out and decided that, hey, I've got to do something to get these ratings up. He's killing his buy rate if he does that. Instead, play the long game. Play the long game of, okay, have Moxley and Punk have the match. It could be a classic at All Out. Now, they've already put themselves in the, the corner. They painted themselves in the corner of you're going to have Omega and the Bucks versus somebody at the end of that tournament. The wrong team, frankly, because it won't be Cole and the uh, Red Dragon because they're not in the tournament. They've hurried that whole thing, and they've done that because they want again they want to placate the two schoolboys, uh, you know the two little the two little guys, in the in the in the Bucks. I just think they've pushed too fast on a lot of their storytelling. The Wardlow storytelling I think has been horrible. You know this is a guy that's over like nobody, and they rushed him to the TNT title. You know, now we've got stuff, you know, they're always changing what's going around Jericho. We just know that Jericho is going over at the end. He did put Moxley over, but I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I just think that, I think AEW is hot-shotting this, and I think they're doing it in the name of trying to bring the ratings up temporarily so they can close a deal quickly on the streaming deal. To try to close a new TV deal and a deal to get everything, including trying to get a Ring of Honor television show, onto HBO Max as fast as possible. I think that Tony Khan has been very impatient about this. I think he wants to do it before the WWE makes their deal with streaming rights and their new TV contracts because he's afraid of less players being available. Now, to me, I would think the opposite. You've already got a deal that goes to the end of 2024. HBO Max and Discovery Plus do not have a lot of... They're not put together yet. It isn't all done. And you know that as far as the rights and sports rights, where a lot of money is going to go... They're only going to be into the NBA, and they're still a couple of years out before that negotiation is complete. Why not wait till next year? Why not 
get your buy rates up, work on getting your ratings up, tell stories that make people want to watch your show, and then you have a more valuable property. And I think that Tony Khan's being very short-sighted on this. I've joked on this podcast before that Tony Khan and really the Khan family should hire me. I've said, hey, you know what? Hire me. I'll fix this shit for you. It's time that before Tony Khan makes this deal with whether it's Discovery Plus and that whole deal, before doing that, uh, AEW really has to put in a corporate structure. If they think they're going to get, they think they're going to get $150 million a year in, in rights, and then you include pay-per-view from there. Or, hell, you probably could go to 150 if you included your pay-per-views on the streaming service like WWE does. If you think you can do that, you've got to put in a corporate structure. You know, you've got to have more than just one guy and Tony Khan booking everything. The booking's terrible. But you've got to do more. You've got to do more than just writing the show this week or the week for the next week, or you know, whether it's even a month out. You've got to do better. He's got to figure out what he's doing with Ring of Honor. Is he going to have a Ring of Honor TV show? We know that um, TNT has told him he's not going to get a certain tag team on TV, that being the Briscoes. And so they're signed to an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor. Um, to me, again, the thing I think you've got to consider if you're Tony Khan is you've got to say, let's get these pieces in place. And they've got some people in that organization already. I'm going to bring up a few of these names. Jim Ross, William Regal, Sanjay Dutt. Um, they've got, hell, you could use CM Punk in any of these, in these categories as well. But especially the first two I mentioned, and that being Jim Ross and William Regal. The first thing, the first conversation i got to have, if I'm Tony Khan, is I've got to go to Jim Ross and say, listen, you were the executive vice president in the WWE. He was the HR of WWE when it came to talent during the most successful period in the history of wrestling. You have him there. Pay him and say, Please help me put these systems in place. I may need you to do this job for a year, but let's find somebody who can do this job after the first year. And let's put the systems in place. He's got William Regal, who William Regal worked hand-in-hand with Triple H in building NXT. NXT has been the best wrestling product the black and gold NXT, the beginning of NXT, has been the best product in wrestling in the last 10 years. And that's where they found new stars. So why wouldn't you put William Regal in charge of development and a training program and say, help us build this? Again, you don't have to do the job for more than a little while Help us put the right people in place to do this. This is why Cody Rhodes left. People, this is why Cody Rhodes left the AE, left AEW. Is he getting more money in WWE? Likely. But he wanted to put this structure in. 
he saw the mistakes that his father made in WCW. He saw the mistakes that Tony Khan was making. And he said, shit, we can't have the inmates running the asylum. And unfortunately, when the Nick and Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega are three of your executive vice presidents, the inmates are running the asylum. I was offended by what Kenny Omega said after Dynamite Wednesday night. If you haven't seen it, go to Twitter. I will share it on the Coach Bono's podcast Twitter. He After the match is over, the, the cameras are off, he tells the crowd he's there to take the company to the next level, but he's there to give back to wrestling. No, he's not. He hasn't done a single piece of that in the three years he's been there since the beginning. The Jacksons certainly haven't. The Bucks have done none of that. They've been more worried about putting themselves over and getting their little friends' jobs. Plain and simple. To me, you've got to start acting and behaving, if you're Tony Khan, like a real businessman. Not just a guy that's got daddy's money and his future inheritance and wants to have a wrestling show. If you have a chance to start making a hundred or a hundred and fifty million a year in streaming rights, in TV rights, plus what you make on pay-per-view, you have a chance of taking two hundred million that you invested in this company and turning it into two hundred million a year. If you're going to do that, put in the structure. Do it the right way. He didn't do it from the beginning. He listened to the wrong people. He listened to people who have never been in that structure. He listened to Nick and Matt Jackson. He listened to Kenny Omega. The one EVP that had been in that structure was Cody Rhodes. And Cody is the one who leaves. Why? Because he didn't get along with the rest. Because he's trying to help put some structure together. Instead, Tony's listening to those other three numbskulls. He's letting Chris Jericho do whatever the fuck it is Chris Jericho wants to do. He's letting John Moxley now do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And that's just ridiculous. That John Moxley's going to Game Changer Wrestling and wrestling in front of a thousand people in Atlantic City in a fucking hotel ballroom against a guy with his literally got his dick in his hand. You telling me that an executive at Warner Brothers Discovery is not going to hear about that? You better get that fucking belt off of John Moxley and get him off of TV for a while. I understand he's one of your bigger names, but you can't allow that in a corporate structure. And the funny thing is there's people telling him this. CM Punk's telling him this. Jim Ross is telling him this. You can hear Jim Ross is telling this. You can listen to Jim Ross calling these matches, and you can hear it in his voice. You can hear it in not just how he says things, but what he's saying. He sees there's a lot of Mickey Mouse bullshit going on. And he's saying, this guy has a chance. He's got a chance to not just be the number two company, but to grow this into something huge. And an opportunity where now, he doesn't have to face off against Vince McMahon. Tony Khan's fucking this up. And I'm going to get killed on here for saying this. I know it. The AEW marks, the people who are the fans of the Young Bucks and the fans of Omega 
and they don't really care about the story of wrestling. They just want to see flip-flops and bullshit moves. Nothing has to be congruent. They're going to come and murder me. Oh, no, 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 you're so wrong. I've never seen a Young Bucks match I liked except when they fought the FTR. The best part of Wednesday night's match, that trios match, was, like I said earlier, either Omega is especially hurt, and if he is still hurt, God bless him for getting out there and putting himself out there. But let's not act like he's doing that for everybody else. He's doing that for his two little buddies from Rancho Cucamonga. If that's what it is, then God bless him for trying. If he actually learned to sell, then great. Let's see what you can do moving forward. Because it was not a big deal that Kenny Omega came back. Everyone knew it. The ratings actually were not good. They were the same as they've always been, 900,000 people. He got the third loudest pop of the night, Punk's first, then Moxley, then Omega. He isn't that over. He isn't that good a wrestler. If he's not healthy, don't let him wrestle. If he is healthy, then don't let him put together these matches. And I hear that Kenny Omega is in charge of the AEW women's um, group. That's a shit show. I, I don't even know why AEW has a women's division. I mean, they've got three or four really nice pieces. I think that Thunder Rose is great. I think Serena Deeb is great. Jade Cargill looks like a million bucks but couldn't wrestle her way out of a fucking cardboard box. I just don't see what others see in some of these other people. And, and the product looks bad. So if you're going to get it, if you're going to continue with that, if you're going to continue this women's division, and they are, they're going to double down on this. Go find Fit Finley. Go find somebody that worked with Fit Finley to work with these ladies, to tell us stories. We watch wrestling because we want to suspend our disbelief. We want to suspend the disbelief. We want to have these stories. and We want to see action that's believable. If you're going to do a run across the ring and a plancha over the top rope and take out five guys, you shouldn't be popping back up immediately just for the ovation of the crowd. Sell a fucking wrestling hold. If you get hit with a steel chair, you don't come right back up and pop right back up. We don't see that on AEW. Instead, we've got to see more blood, more guts, more bullshit. There has been some really bad stuff on there lately. The blood and guts match, the, 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 the War Games ripoff, was horrible. Anything Chris Jericho's doing is fucking terrible. They went and got Claudio Castagnoli. Congrats, he's the Ring of Honor champion. That might be a really good idea. Hey, I got an idea for you, though. If you do have Mox lose the punk, do it two weeks ago or do it at the next pay-per-view and have Claudio come out. And have Claudio challenge Punk. Wouldn't everybody want to watch that match? Claudio comes out and says, hey, you know what? I'm Ring of Honor champion, but we don't have a TV. No one knows I'm the Ring of Honor champion. I want to be a real world champion. Let's put these belts together. One champion. Let's go. You versus me. 
and they can talk about mutual respect, and they can have a wrestling match. And it'd be believable, and it'd be watchable. But that's not what Tony Khan's doing. Tony Khan's trying to keep his executive vice presidents happy. He's trying to get the quickest thing he can do. He can't focus on what he's doing. It doesn't mean you have to have a booking committee. Those things didn't work in WCW. But have somebody help you. You've got too many knowledgeable people. You've got access to other knowledgeable people. You got Jim Ross right there. You got CM Punk right there. Hell, you've got Brian Danielson, who, I mean, I'm not always the biggest fan of. I don't like a lot of his work when he's on the independents and what he's doing now, but the guy knows his stuff. You own Ring of Honor, call Delirious. The guy's a hell of a booker. I, there are so many things they could be doing. Tony Khan's listening to the wrong people. So, there we go. There's my takes on a couple of things there. I just want to see more long-term booking. I want to see more storytelling. I want to see more selling. AEW has a chance to do something really special. And they're not doing it. And Triple H is over at WWF, and he knows it. WWE. And he knows it. And he's going to end up doing something really special. They can't turn the boat 90 degrees. You cannot just change course. It's going to take them time. But he's got the pieces. And he's not afraid to listen to other people and to have other ideas. And Tony Khan appears to be scared to death of anybody else's opinions and anybody else's ideas. So good luck to Tony Khan on this. He needs all the help he can get. Tony Khan, if you want to reach out to me, at Coach Bono's show on Twitter, you can go to oagks.com. You can click the contact us, send me an email, it'll come directly to me. I'll help you out. There'll be a fee involved, but I'll help you out. So anyway, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed, enjoyed my takes on the streaming rights, the TV rights stuff, and then a take on AEW and WWE and kind of looking forward to what's going to happen there. A lot going on in the wrestling world, a lot going on in the sports world, and we still have the NFL starting in two weeks and college football starting in two weeks. So we got a lot going on. We are going to have a Coach Bono show, Fantasy Football League, and I will say this. I didn't do this last year. I'm going to do it this year. We're going to open it up. If you are a listener and you would like to be in the Coach Bono show, Fantasy Football League, Send me an email, show at gmail.com. Tell me why you want to be in, and I will probably bring you in. This, if it's a good enough reason, or if I just want to, I may bring you in. We'll have some people returning from last year's league. I know I'll be in. I know uh, Ellen is going to be back in. The point five, she'll be back in. Uh, we got a couple other folks I know are going to be in. Brandon Wallace will be in. Um, I've got to talk to a couple others about getting them back in, but we'll have it taken care of. P Money will be in. I know that for sure. He's already he's already starting to plan for this. I'm not doing any research for this this year. This is the only league I'm going to join. So we'll see. But anyway, we're going to have some fun. So again, if you want to be in the Coach Bono's show uh, podcast, if you want to be in our fantasy football league, send me an email. Tell me why, and I'll take some of the good ones. Uh, I want to say thank you to Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. Hey, if you haven't listened to the Jones Report from Friday, or sorry, from Thursday, 
Um, I was on there. I want to thank Tyler for coming on our program on the point five. You know, we broke down some of that Big Ten stuff and where things are going. You know, I think Tyler and I are a lot alike on a lot of this stuff. I really didn't get into the ESPN thing and a couple of other ideas with Tyler, but um, we're going to have some different stuff there. And um, if you don't get a chance, listen to the Jones Report. The Jones Report, you know, Tyler is sort of the godfather of the Studio Soapbox Network. It's a great podcast. He has some great interviews on there every week with people from all over the sports world. And he's, he's a really great young sports journalist. And I enjoy going on there with him and Tom Bridges. It's a lot of fun. Give him a shout. Um, also, don't forget to rate and review us, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your, your ratings, we, or you get your podcasts. Give us a rating. We appreciate every five-star review. It does help us. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes for Gold Belly. Also, DoorDash. We still have the link available. You can save $10 on each of your first three orders of DoorDash. Jump on there. Link in the show notes. And we'll be uh, getting our couple more partners coming on here in the next couple of weeks as well. Look forward to that. So until Friday at five, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember your time tokens are non-refundable. And we will talk to you on Friday. Take care.